This is Tamarindo Podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx Podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. On this episode of Tamarindo, we share some ways in which we can tackle talking about racism and anti-blackness, especially within our Latinx community. We were also joined by journalist Julio Ricardo Varela, the co-host of In the Thick with Mariano Hosa and a frequent contributor to Latino USA. He is the founder of latinorebels.com, one of the top U.S. Latino media sites in the world, and we talked about Latinx solidarity with Black Lives Matters and defunding and abolishing the police. We believe we can do this differently. As Chicharito once said, imaginemos cosas chingonas. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of Tamarindo Podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, we want you all to have a save the date for an upcoming free virtual event that we are hosting in honor of Pride Month. Many of you all might have forgotten, but it is Pride Month. We're having an event called Cuarentena en Sol, Reclaiming Collective Joy and Authenticity. We are doing this event in partnership with La Plaza de Cultura y Artes. And if you're not familiar with them, they're a dope organization that uplifts the stories of Mexican-Americans and Latinos through permanent and changing exhibits, educational initiatives, and a diverse range of public programming. So a few details on the logistics of that. That's happening on June 28th at 11 a.m. PST on their Zoom. And we have the link. We're gonna, they're, you know, they're going to be posting that on their website, but we're going to have a link on our Instagram and in our show notes. And, you know, I want to share a little bit about where, why we're doing this event. Like many of our events that we host as Tamarindo, if you've been to any, we think about what we would want. And, you know, I can't speak for everyone in the LGBT community, but for me, realizing that Pride wasn't happening this year because of COVID, it, it, it was, you know, it was legitimately sad for me. So, because I think about this month as an opportunity to bring increased visibility to our community's struggles. I think of it as a time for reflection. It's a time that pushes us, and it certainly pushes me every year to think about how I can be a little bit more proud, how I can be a little bit more myself than I was even the year before. And I think it's also a time to celebrate freely. We celebrate our individual journeys, our collective journeys. And I think, you know, because of La Rona, it felt like we lost that in a time where we really needed it most, when our communities are hurting and, and losing their lives disproportionately. So, I think it's been an emotionally and physically exhausting and heartbreaking time, even though it's also been inspiring as we've seen how people have organized in such a powerful way as a result. But when we were thinking about this event, what we wanted to create was just something that really focused on our healing, you know, on continuing to break past the trauma that's kept us from living our lives authentically and on really connecting with our innate joy. I think this is more important than ever than, you know, when, when we are suffering when we are going through difficult times sometimes it's hard to connect with that joy that we have within us and that's something that we really wanted to bring to light with this event it's important that we keep you know something that we always talk about on tamarindo is how imperative it is that we keep taking care of ourselves and we keep prioritizing our mental and emotional health because only then can we have the greatest impact in our community so a little bit about what you, what you can look forward to during this event we're going to have several sessions we're going to have Harry Lopez, who we've talked about before, he's an amazing life coach and the creator of Lunch Latinx, a Latinx accelerator program. He's going to be doing a mindset coaching session around moving past your blocks to access more of your authenticity. We're going to have Richard Aviles, aka Soinalgona on IG, if you don't follow them already. He's going to be leading us through a liberating dance class. We're going to have Sterling Victorian deliver a musical performance that she calls the Self Love Project. 
And then I'm going to do a little something, something for y'all just to ground us as we start the sessions and also to, to close us out and reflect on the experience. So that's I love a little that. bit. Let's, yeah. let's uh, remind people the date. So June 28th at 11 a.m. Yep. Pacific time, virtual event. So quarantine safe. And you can yes. register right now. It's totally free. Register with our link in bio on our Instagram and also in the notes here. Thank you so much, Anna Shayla. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited about it. And with that, we do want to transition with what we're going to focus on for this episode. You know, for several weeks now, the country and, and honestly, the world has galvanized around the Black Lives Matter movement, which drew global attention with the mobilization after the murder of George Floyd at the hands of police. This is our first recording since the protests. And since then, there have been continued police brutality and murder. And while at the same time, additional attention to the lived experience of Black people and to efforts to defund or abolish the police. So to start off, what we want to talk about, we want to reflect a little bit on the conversations that many Latinx people, many of us are having at home around doing our part to fight anti-Blackness. So what I want to touch on are some helpful tips and, and ways that we can, and that I picked up from various resources and honestly, from my own reflections and doing this work with my own family, I can be completely transparent. You know, I had to deal with this because there was a time where, where my dad, you know, had some of these beliefs and my two previous partners were, were both black. And so I had to kind of confront this head on and it was difficult and it was messy, but you know, it, it was, for me, it was, it was, it was worth doing the work because of the, the, the love that I had for my, for my dad and, and, and the relationship that I wanted to have with him. So, you know, also noting that for, for some of you, that might not be, you know, re your relationship might not be one that you want to, you know, continue to have. It's a decision that you must take and it's a difficult one, but we do want to share some tips and resources for how to think about this when you're talking about your loved ones and family. The first tip that I have for y'all is, is put yourself in their shoes. You know, your goal is ultimately to open and ideally change their minds, right? So think about a time when you were wrong about something and, and someone helped you kind of see, see the light in a way or, or see things differently and, and, and see how you were wrong and, and how you ultimately were able to change, you know, think about how they did it and how you would want to be taught and have your, you know, your perspective change. So I think that's a good way to set yourself up to, to start the conversation. Next is let go of your ego, start the conversation from a place of understanding, from a place of compassion. So yes, maybe you might be further along in your anti-racism journey, but one of the things that I've been reflecting on is you know, we all have work to do from where we are. You know, we've literally been indoctrinated to be racist and, and to hold these biases. It's in our subconscious. So wherever you are, you have more work to do. So, you know, get off that high horse, like start the conversation by humbling yourself and to reference, you know, a great song, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, can I add a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, a hundred percent. This really speaks to me, this idea of, of humbling yourself. I'm like, I recently, you know, you and I, and, and I think part of the vision of, of Tamarindo is to, to call more people in, into basically to think like us, which is in, in, and we think it's a way, hopefully, you know, we might be on our own high horse, but we think it's a way to be more progressive, to think of a way of being more inclusive, et cetera, et cetera. And I recognize that I'm a person that worked for a civil rights organization that has two degrees in political science, you know, I've had a lot of access to these conversations. I've been reading black authors for a very, very long time. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but I think, oh, I mean, I'm far, far, far from it. But I think I pause to recognize and, and take inventory of the privileges that I have, which make me further along in this conversation than say, 
I think of like a, uh, you know, a cousin of mine that's a lot younger that didn't go to college that hasn't, you know, had discussions around race relations, et cetera, that may not have the right vocabulary, but that still wants to learn. And I just think that there's, it's a really important, especially all of us in the quote unquote, you know, social justice circles that we, we call people in by not putting them down and recognizing where privilege has entered in having us be more advanced in these conversations than others. I, I mean, I really, that really speaks to me, this just being humble and being patient and also practicing grace as you have these conversations. So I think this is a really excellent point, Anna Shayla. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Recognizing your privilege and also recognizing that we all have that work to do, right? Right. Yeah. Next, it's kind of related, but, you know, seeing the innocence in, in your, in, in that family or that, in that friend before the guilt. So asking instead of condemning right away. So, you know, if your goal is to maintain your friendships and your relationships and, and you want to just, you want to change their perspective, it's important that instead of saying, you know, starting with you're crazy or you're stupid, you ask what is behind their perspective? What is behind that feeling, you know? Because a lot of times, you know, all of us have conditioning that, that have formed these, these opinions. And, and, and sometimes it's really kind of digging a little bit deeper, f- figuring out what is it that, how did they come to this? A lot of, a lot of times there's some pain that has to do with them, you know, that, that form this opinion. And then also really believing when you go into this conversation, believe that they can change instead of thinking that the conversation is, is a waste of time. You know, like if, if you go in thinking that you're not going to change their mind, you're not going to change their mind. So coming in thinking that you really, they, they can change, they can be open to listening and, and to understanding. And also recognizing when they might not. <laughs> but I, I, I really right. love how you set up the, this conversation because it is about, it, this is for folks that really do want to protect the relationships that they have. And it's not easy. Like you're, you're describing things that are very difficult to do, like believing that somebody can change their mind because that's so difficult, yeah. right? But mm-hmm. I, I, I love how you've um, started this conversation by talking about this is if, if you want to preserve these relationships, it's going to take some work. But if yeah. there's people that, you know, it, it might, and they, sometimes you're related to them, you know, if there are people that you just need to cut off, then sometimes that is, you know, that's what's going to have to happen. But I do recognize that th- this is work. And uh, I think you have some really great recommendations here on how to do some of this work. Yeah. And I'll skip to the one that you kind of mentioned is, is in these conversations, again, because we're assuming that you, if you ideally you want to hold these relationships, you have to prioritize your well-being and know when to stop, whether it's stopping the conversation or maybe, you know, as you just touched on, Brenda, it's when to stop that relationship, right? You may, you might need to cut ties with your loved ones. And, and that is very difficult to do, but, you know, especially as, as, as a lot of Latinos, we, we generally feel really connected to our blood ties, but sometimes we have to be willing to let go of people that are harming us emotionally, physically, or that are just so misaligned with our values that a relationship with them is, is no longer healthy. And I just want to say two more things, two more tips And this one may be really hard, but as much as possible, like don't let your emotions guide, drive the conversation. And I know this is so hard, but one thing you can do is either taking some deep breaths before you start this conversation or take some time. I know that my most transformative conversations have always happened when I took a minute or several minutes and I let kind of the anger and the emotion subside a little bit before I came back to to the topic. And then another thing you can do is like, if you have data and statistics, you know, try to ground the conversation a little bit in that too, that can help with getting away from the emotion. And let's see. And the last thing is just tempering your expectations. You know, you probably, you might not change your friend or your family's heart overnight and, and just being okay with, with where you are. And again, like we shared before, it might be that 
they'll come around later that it's an ongoing process, or it might be that, you know, you just have to let that go. So those are a few things, a few resources from a therapist and a clinical psychologist and from my own experiences. And we'll make sure to cite those sources in notes. Thank you so much, Anna Shayla. And I do want to, well, also one of the sources that we'll put in this in the show notes will also be a great conversation by Paper Planes LLC. They had uh, Ada Rodriguez, who's the comedian and a couple other folks talking about combating anti-blackness in the Latinx community. And one of the big takeaways from that conversation is that it's really difficult to untangle basically 500 years or more of white supremacy and colorism and colonialism. And so, as you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, Anna Shayla, like we all have biases. We're all under the system of white supremacy. So no matter where we mm-hmm. are in this journey, we've got more learning to do and there's a lot to unpack. So it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to require a lot of patience. And I think you've given our listeners some wonderful things to think about as they approach these conversations, if they want to preserve relationships or what to reflect on if they need to cut people out. So thank you so much for, for walking us through that. That's awesome. The other thing we really wanted to talk about today is that, you know, this moment we're talking a lot about anti-blackness and, and fighting racism. But the other thing that is emerging in these, this activism is also thinking about police reform or maybe even the concept of abolishing the police altogether. So I want to talk about Mariama Kame, who's an organizer, educator, and curator whose work focuses on ending violence, dismantling the prison industrial complex, transformative justice, and supporting youth leadership development. She wrote this awesome essay in the New York Times when she really talks about what it really means to abolish the police, that she literally means abolish the police. So in short, her point is that the reason why she wants to abolish the police or a lot of folks that are calling for this is that the police is beyond reform. The killings and violence we see today continue because when there are reforms or rules, they're just not enforced. So her essay has a number of examples of failed attempts to curtail police violence starting as early as 1894. So we as a society have been at this police reform for so, so long and the police is not reformed. So this is why there's this argument of like, well, you know, we got to abolish the police. But she she recognizes that this is a long-term goal. And another great place where you can hear from her is a recent episode of Call Your Girlfriend, which is a podcast that I I love. And um, she was interviewed by the host there of Call Your Girlfriend. Mariame calls out our culture's obsession with like this notion of the good cops, right? Like the good cops are going to get the bad guys. I mean, there's been 33 seasons of the show Cops. Can you, I mean, did you ever see that show growing up? Like it was always on. It's always been on. We're being obsessed with catching the bad guys. And there's actually a number of podcasts um, and research that has shown that some of the cops that were featured would plant things just so that they had something that would go on air. I mean, there's just so many examples of police corruption, but we're still obsessed with like the good cops and there's so many law and order shows there's so many crime shows so culturally we're going to have a hard time with the notion of abolishing the police because our culture is obsessed with cops but um you know again she talks about this and why this is going to be such a long goal and why keeping the police as is is really just not safe as she says 
the police has uh, such a role in our society. It's so insidious and harmful beyond the brutal murders that we see on TV. The police funnel people into prison for petty crimes. And of course, the, you know, the impact that that has on their lives and then the lives of their family, it destroys communities. So I'm not really sure who the bad guys really are. I mean, I'm having a hard time seeing the police any different from the bad guys. Um, and let me tell you a little bit more about what she says about police abolition being a long-term goal. So this is a direct quote from her interview on Call Your Girlfriend. What abolitionists talk about is the importance of thinking of abolition as a restructured world where everything has shifted, where people have what they need, where people are living lives where we figured out how to do conflict resolution among ourselves without calling the cops, where we have enough to eat and shelter, where people have good schools, where we have medical care when they need it and can afford it at no cost. So it's a vision of a restructured world and within that restructured world, when those conditions have shifted, then we will no longer need these punishing institutions because we will have figured out how to interact and relate to each other and be in the right relationships in ways that we can't imagine right now in the world as it exists right now. I know that Anna Sheila, you've got some thoughts about this. So, you know, what, are, what have you been feeling or, or hearing as you hear people talk about defunding the police or police reform? I mean, I think the first thing that I want to acknowledge is that in the past, like, you know, when I... I would have met those calls for abolish the police with skepticism myself. You know, I would have thought we need to make sweeping changes in the law enforcement and criminal justice system for sure. But I would have stopped there. I might have even said not all cops, you know, that might have come out of my mouth in the past. But and so maybe some of our listeners are there. Right. But what we do when we say not all cops is we make room for incrementalist changes and approaches to reform that have not worked. Right. And that's what we've been saying and what, what Maria Cava, right, has said is when we say not all, we forget that not all cops kill, but all cops are trained in the same way. Right. And we know that we haven't seen enough change in our system, like with all of the senseless murders we continue to ex experience. And, and also not in just making changes to our current system ignores that these systems were inherently racist and oppressive in, in the way that they were designed. When our taxpayer money is, is continuing to go to these current systems, they're only perpetuating cycles that continue to enslave our communities and opportunities to thrive, whether we're in jail or, or out of jail. That's right? exactly right. Yeah. And this is why I wanted to talk a little bit and reflect on her piece. And this is why we kind of talk a little bit about this concept of police, abolish the police with Julio Ricardo Varela. We decided to talk to him because, I mean, he, he's a good friend of the podcast, of course. But Latino Rebels is one of the top U.S. Latino media sites in the world and has been covering the protests. And uh, we wanted to kind of get his take and some of the pieces that they've been releasing. And as you'll here shortly, it really is about priorities, right? And how we want to spend that money. And for me personally, I mean, I know that I would feel more safe if schools were better. I would feel safer if people had health insurance and health and, and had access to the, you know, basically they aren't starving in the streets because they can't take care of a, an ailment. I would feel safer if we were able to give people the right support when they need, you know, mental health support. I mean, there's just so many different ways that I could still be, that I would feel safer. The police is not the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about safety. Yeah. So you'll hear, exactly. yeah, you'll hear a little bit about that. You know, we, you, neither you nor I are experts in this space. Uh, we hope to bring some experts as we, well, something that we can do a little bit quicker than producing an episode as an independent project that we are is we've been doing in um, Instagram live conversations. So we do want to revisit this 
And so we will continue to, you know, as we are learning about this, this notion of abolishing the police and as, as we are connecting to these arguments, we want to also introduce those arguments to all of you. And so we will be revisiting that. So we wanted to take a minute to, to mention that. And, uh, with that, well, we're going to go ahead and, and pivot to hearing our interview with, with Julito, Julio Ricardo Varela shortly after a short break. You have enough to think about right now. Don't add your sexual and reproductive health care to the list. Planned Parenthood is here for you to ease your mind and give you the care you need with Planned Parenthood Telehealth Services. Planned Parenthood is here for you wherever you are because they know that your care can't wait. Not now, not ever. Their telehealth services provide birth control information and care, STI testing and treatment, emergency contraception, and more. Get care, ease your mind, and save a trip. Planned Parenthood Telehealth makes it easy to reach an expert in your area by phone or by video. Experts are on hand. Set up a telehealth appointment with a Planned Parenthood medical professional by phone or video today. Go to plannedparenthood.org forward slash telehealth. The website once again is plannedparenthood.org forward slash T-E-L-E-H-E-A-L-T-H. I'm going to say that one more time. Plannedparenthood.org forward slash telehealth. So Julio, we are now a couple weeks into protests and growing support for police reform. I want to know, what is it that you've been seeing from the stories you've covered on Latino Rebels from podcast on Futuro Media, what are you seeing as it relates to support by Latinos for police reform? I, I think it's always been there, right? I think we need to step back and, and not think that this is suddenly some magical, you know, people are discovering what it means to reform police departments, defund parts of the police department. And even in some instances, this notion of abolishing police departments. I know it sounds very scary when people think about it, but I like what I like to say, uh, and we have run some pieces. There's a great opinion piece by Arturo Dominguez who talks about this and sort of the history of policing in this notion of the debate. And it is a debate, right? I, I, I don't think that there is a clear answer to this yet, but you can't deny the fact that in two weeks, the words defund the police since, you know, since George Floyd was brutally murdered by a Minneapolis police officer and his accomplices. The fact that you're asking me this question two weeks later means that it's having an effect. And I always tell people, this is all about funding. You know, this is all about priorities as a community. And this is about being politically engaged. I mean, police aren't magically funding themselves. You know, police departments are funded by the tax paying members of a community, you know, that's not this magic money that comes from other places. So it raises the issue to me of political engagement and understanding how your community is governed, how are budgets reallocated? What are the priorities? I say this all the time. People question education budgets all the time. All right, the time. right, right, right. Uh, enough teachers. What's this? I mean, can we can we afford this to stimulate the economy during a global pandemic? I mean, these right, are the right. Like we got to close ask. this. Do we need a new school and this and that? But then when police and fire budgets come, everyone's like, "Oh no, you can't touch that." Like I always say, and and every time I talk about the movement for Black Lives, is we need to continue to amplify Black voices and the people that have been 
constantly reminding us that this has deep-seated historical and institutionalized roots, right? And this notion of allyship, especially like in, in let's, I mean, let's stick to downtown LA because, I mean, we've been covering a lot. And one of the things we covered the previous weekend was we sent Francisco Lozano, a great photographer that contributes to Latino rebels down to downtown LA to cover the protest. And he got this amazing clip of a, a man in Spanish, you know, screaming, no puedo respirar. I can't breathe. And he took pictures of, you know, a multiracial, multi-generational protest. And so yeah. I do think that, you know, places like Los Angeles, places like New York, even up here where I'm based in Boston, you go to Chicago, you know, in the cities, you see that, right? But the one thing that's being missed, I also think we're not talking about the smaller demonstrations of protests in smaller towns or in, in, you know, in parts of the, you know, the Midwest or in rural communities, it, it globally, I mean, the globally, fact that, I mean, globally, that is remarkable. Black li- yeah, Black Lives Matter protests in Brazil, in, you know, in Puerto Rico, where I'm from, in the DR, in Mexico, and other places. So, this is all about dismantling the system that is white supremacy. And it's so ingrained in us. It's so, it's so, we, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's not going to change in three months of protests, but it's start, you know, this is sort of, I think the beginning of the end of white supremacy. And I don't long, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I don't think we're ever going to go back. I don't think we're ever going to go back. There might be bumps, you know, a reelection by the president. That's his reelection strategy. But would we, but we were going to be surprised by that. Like that's literally surprising us. Like we know where Trump stands. That's the strategy from day one, (laughs) from day one of the first time. Yeah. We know where Trump stands. The question is, where does the rest of the country stand? And that's to me where there's an opportunity to redefine our political structures now and how we respond. So that's where I'm thinking. But I do think we're not going to go fully back, but we're going to see. I, I sadly think we might still see plenty of ugly moments. Dominino podcast listeners, did you know that we are completely independent That's right. This is a labor of love. We spend a lot of time because it really, really matters to us to be in your ears. And this is why I want to encourage you to please write a review of Tamarindo Podcast or tell a friend how much you love this podcast because uh, we want more of you listening and we love when you write us a love note. So, um, Ana Sheila, what do you have for me? Here's an example of an awesome review that we received from our listener, Sochil, who says, I love this podcast. Ana Sheila and Brenda are two Latinx mujeres who keep it real and keep us connected. Their synergy is undeniable. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I love that they address current events as well as reminding listeners to stay grounded, being mindful of our overall well-being. Love this aspect of their podcast. Thank you for providing an intelligent, critical, and balanced podcast that focuses on the Latinx community. Much needed and refreshing. Mm-hmm. 
That review makes me feel so fuzzy inside. It's why we do what we do and what inspires us to keep going. We want to bring you the content that we are thinking about, grappling with, excited about. So please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts today. It means so much to us. So we're back from our break, and this is this is the fun part of the interview, the conversation, and this oh, is where we, I we need this. <laughs> yes, where we do our rapid fire questions that we ask all of our guests. All right, it's super fun. I'm ready. So the first one okay. is, what gets your matraca? And it could be a person, place, thing. What is getting your shout out, your matraca? All right, so I'm going to give a matraca to all the fabulous black voices that we have featured on Latino Rebels Radio Live and Latino Rebels Radio in the last month, specifically to my really good friend, Terrell Starr of The Root. Yes. Is an, I, if you're a fan of In The Thick, he's been an all-star guest of ours since the start of the show. The, and that's a political podcast that I get to co-host with Maria Hinojosa. And Terrell, I reconnected with him about a week and a half ago, had him on my live show. Well, obviously, as a friend, like we, we, it's not like, like we talk about this a lot as friends, and it's not. It wasn't like, oh, hey, Terrell, how you doing? It was more like I wanted to learn. I wanted his voice to lead me, and he's so smart. He's so accomplished. He's like a Russia expert too, and he has this really cool podcast coming out called Black Diplomats, and. I think he's a fabulous person. And if you are listening to this and you're trying to say, who are some voices I should follow? Follow Terrell Star at Russian Star on Twitter and another. Um, he just interviewed like Stacey Abrams too, I believe. Or, yeah, or the governor of Michigan. He's like, oh, I'm doing an Instagram live with the, government of, the governor of Michigan. I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, so Terrell Star is my matraca. He's fantastic. I want to thank you all for introducing me to him on In the Thick. He's fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful. Another element of Tamarindo is we've been talking about how to find your calma because we, we want to make sure that yeah. everyone is there. They, they could be their, the best advocates when they're taking care of themselves. So what is, how does Julio do self-care? How do you find your calma? Oh my God, you ready? Right this week? Okay, I got a couple. Music. So I'm, I've really gotten into creating playlists for myself. And so I did a cheesy songs in Spanish that are just lovely. I did a Broadway nerd playlist. I did a stay-at-home playlist that really gets into my alt-rock feel. And I play it all the time. I don't listen. I don't watch cable news. I don't listen to newscasts anymore. I'm so busy publishing and editing and doing my work and getting the voices that I want to get out that I use music a lot. But I'm also going to do a reveal as well. Because your calma also is, it's okay to watch cheesy television. Even though, you know... He's probably one of the biggest white supremacy stars in Mexico, if you think about it. Uh, I've been watching the Luis Miguel series. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> like, and I'm eating it up and it's on Netflix and I, I wish I could stay up all night and binge watch the whole thing. And I, you know, and I do, it does speak to the fact that, you know, I think about it too, that culture, especially in Mexico, is, has, you know, has a very strong white supremacy bent. For sure. And, but it's still Luis Miguel and there's a lot there and little Luis Miguel singing to me is just just amazing. And so <laughs> I, I, I you you can balance it. You know what I'm saying? I think you have to balance it, but those that's I'm 
that's given me calma and a lot of joy as well. That's beautiful. No, I love that. So we're going to link some of your playlists on this on the show notes because oh, that sounds great. Yeah, just go to Julio Ricardo Varela on Spotify. They're all there. Excellent. They're all public. And then lastly, this one's a lot of fun. What goes in la basura? What are you canceling? Person, place, thing, concept. What's basura? I think people get too caught up in to the critiques of what, you know, people like to drag you down who don't even know. So I just take everything, you know, I've been called everything on Latino, you know, Latino rebels has been called everything over the last nine years. I've been called everything. You reach a certain point where I know what I had to put in to make rebels what it is. You know, I am the only origin story of Latino rebels. I know everything about it. I know what it's done for my career. I know it's a love hate relationship. It's been great for me. It's, I don't think people realize how much blood, sweat, and money was put in. And, you know, the impact that it's had on sometimes on my personal life. And I just, I'm, I'm like, you can take critique, but after a certain point, you're just here to like cut people down. I really don't care. Like, just go away. Like, there's so many, like, go away. I don't care. I'm not going to change who we are. Go create your own thing. Yes. And I'm incredibly inspired by all the people who have, quote unquote, like, been inspired by us. I totally take that as a compliment. And there's plenty of people out there who are like, you know, you inspired me to do this. I mean, there's people out there who, who you know, are, are similar to what we do or might have a similar name to what we do. I don't care. Go do your thing. Just go do your thing and stop sitting here cranky, 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 complain, 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 and do nothing. I'm sorry. So I have a big basura, so I just do that all the time. And then I go listen to my playlist, and I'm, I'm totally cool. And I will leave you with this. There's probably people listening to this and say, oh, wow, I have a podcast. Uh, our door's open. Reach out to us. We'd love to support your work. Yeah. Come to us. Let's talk. I mean, yeah, that's how we started. Pitch your story. Pitch your story. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah, that's how, that's how we started, Brenda. Anyway. I love it. This is a ton of fun. Uh, you're going to give me your Spotify playlist link so I can add that to the notes. Muchísimas gracias. I, I consider Aww. you a, a podcast padrino. <laughs> <laughs> Next time in LA, we got to get amazing Mexican food like we did the last time. So exactly. thank you so much. Definitely. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Bye, Brenda. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is independently produced by Ana Sheila Victorino and Brenda Gonzalez. Jeff DeVoe provides original music and sound engineering, and Michelle Andrade provides editing and production support. Follow us on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast and at Twitter at TamarindoCast. And if you like the show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at TamarindoPodcast.com. Thank you. 
cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.